You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. I'm Michelle Folks, and last year, my friend from primary school, Belinda Tay, rode a wave of emotion and determination to ensure that voluntary assisted dying could become a real option for people in Western Australia who were terminally ill. This was a choice her mum, Maria, was unable to make when she was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer. Last year, Belinda also appeared on Max's Island podcast to tell this story and what she did to bring attention to this important issue. And at the time, this was just as the WA Parliament were about to debate this legislation. As this was such a monumental period in the history of Western Australia, today's episode of Max's Island podcast recaps Belinda's story about her mum's battles, her quest for a better outcome for people who are terminally ill, and the role played by the WA Parliament. I finished my degree, uh, I did law and commerce, I finished my degree around the 2nd of February in 2016 and eight days after that my mum was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer and then the doctor sat us down and had all the tests and the scans and he said all right best case scenario if your mum responds well to chemotherapy she will live for less than three years so that was the best case scenario the worst case scenario is that she doesn't respond well to the chemotherapy and she lives for less than 12 months. But there was no, like that was kind of the indication, mm. the indication that was given. Um, and so by this stage, mum had been getting the chemo and she was very, very sick. And the context, in the context of all of that, she had, you know, the back pain. And what had happened was a tumour... A secondary tumour, you know, it started in the breast and it went all through the bone marrow and the secondary tumour started growing in her spine between two vertebrae. And so if you can imagine like shoving a marble between two vertebrae in your spine and then it grows bigger and bigger and bigger, it sort of fractured the vertebrae on each side wow. of that tumour. So she was in agony um, and it was uh, between her L2 and her L3 and that's like sort of the bit behind your belly button. And when you've got a fracture in that part of your spine, 
no matter which part of your body you're moving, whether it's your, your left ankle or your right shoulder, um, it all sort of goes through that part of your spine. So she was in a lot of pain. And so anyway, she was um, in pain from the chemo and her hair was falling out, she was vomiting, she's got back pain and um, she was uh, very, very distressed all the time. And uh, she then, you know, she was waiting in her room for the regular checkup and this was about sort of one and a half months into her knowing that she had cancer and the doctor came in and said um marie i've got your latest blood test results and i'm really sorry to say that you have several weeks left to live the chemo's not working your blood tests are indicating that you're um you're not coming back from this and that you know you're expected your life expectancy is several weeks from now so it's a good idea for you to call your family and get everyone around you before you die in a few weeks and my mum took in the information and looked at her doctor in the eye and said, can you help me to go quicker? The direct response to her question was, no, Maria, I cannot um, hasten nor prolong your death. However, we will keep you as comfortable as we can in the hospice. And then she was moved to the hospice, which was like a bit of an ordeal because moving someone who's terminally ill is a bit time consuming. And then she was moved to the hospice and her own palliative care consultant came to visit her. And he'd been with her since the day she was diagnosed. So from very early on, um, she had already known this guy and he came to visit her in the hospice to say goodbye, essentially. And um, they sat down and they said the goodbyes and then she looked at him and said, oh, um, doctor, can you help me to speed up this process? So same thing, but different wording. And he gave her exact, the exact same response, which was, Maria, um, I'm really sorry, I can't do that for you. I totally respect you and love you as a patient, but what you're asking for is not legal in Australia. This was in 2016. It's not legal in Australia, and it's not going to be legal by the time it's your time to go. So um, I have to decline your request, but please rest assured that we are going to do everything we can to keep you comfortable. going to do uh, this thing called terminal sedation. Terminal sedation is when you've got someone at the end stage of, a, of their life and uh, essentially what they do is they give the person increasing of regular doses of morphine um, and the, the goal is to sedate them so that they don't feel anything and you, you know, they're basically gone to a coma and then they die. There are people who don't require that, there are people that pass quite peacefully without the need to go through terminal sedation but if someone's dying and they're agitated, if they're twitching and, and breathing funny and stuff, then they, they do that. So they said, look, your mum's obviously very agitated. So we're going to do terminal sedation. She's going to get her morphine. Um, if she becomes agitated, just press the bell. And a nurse will come and um, will give her morphine. And please give it time to sink in uh, for the morphine to, to take effect. It's a drug like any other drug, like coffee or alcohol, it takes time to, to, to sink in. And um, we'll come and give her more. But um, yeah, just press the bell. So we press the bell and then the nurse would come and check mum and press the button and mum would get morphine and she'd slowly settle down. And we'd wait for 15 to 20 minutes. And then she'd start twitching again and sort of struggling again and breathing funny again and rasping again. So we'd press the bell again and you've got to wait five minutes for the nurse to come and then they look at her and they inject her. And then you wait another 10 minutes with mum sort of like twitching in the bed and the bed's like creaking and stuff. 
and she's making all these funny sounds and then you wait and then she goes quiet again but then she starts twitching again and so it was this cycle of twitching pressing the bell waiting for the nurse injecting and then waiting for mum to stop twitching and then a bit of silence and then more twitching and then pressing the bell and then waiting for the nurse to come and then more injections this went on for four or five hours oh, and five then, hours. yeah and that's how my mum died um she was declared dead at about eight twenty in the morning uh, on easter sunday so a few hours after the sun got up and she died with her eyes wide open. She was, you know, um, her face was like a, a painting of like the person who has been through incredible pain. And in my heart, I know that she was conscious for a lot of that. And for knowing that that was my mum's last experience of life was really, really difficult for me to, to, um, to come to terms with for a long time. Along the way, I shared with a really close uh, friend what happened. It took me a long time, I had to work through a lot of grief, but I shared with them what happened, um, and this friend of mine, she's medically trained, and she looked at me and she was like, have you heard of Andrew Denton's podcast, Better Off Dead? I didn't know much about Andrew Denton, I'd seen him on TV, um, but anyway, I went to listen to this podcast, and from the moment I pressed play, it was the beginning of the rest of this journey. So now the decision was made for Belinda to bring attention to Voluntary Assisted Dying Bill by walking from Melbourne to Perth. She began collaborating with Go Gentle Australia, a campaign led by TV host Andrew Denton, to help organise the 4,500 kilometre walk from Melbourne to Perth to highlight the need for the national legislative change. This journey was named Belinda's Brave Walk, Three Million Steps to Change a Law and began in Melbourne on Tuesday, May 28th, 2019. At the time, she said, Walking from Melbourne to Perth symbolises for me the way our journey to life's end should be. Long and arduous, sometimes painful, yes, but supported all the way by empathetic, loving people who reflect on what it might be like to walk in the shoes of others. She set off from Melbourne because at the time, Victoria was the only state where assisted dying was soon to be legal. The aim was then to arrive in Perth, ahead of a vote in the West Australian Parliament on an assisted dying bill. In any given week, I'd meet groups of people two or three times a week and it could be one person or it could be 25 and everywhere I went even at the petrol station or like at the the campsite shared bathroom I'd meet people and I'd tell, tell them what I was doing and it was just rife in the community these stories of people who had also seen their mothers fathers grandmothers grandfathers nieces nephews brothers sisters partners um, babies whatever like all these people suffer really badly so badly that they didn't talk about it to their immediate family and friends um because it was just that traumatic but they felt okay talking to me about it because i've really put myself out there and you know i was kind of an easy person to share it with but 
Um, it was almost like this hidden heartbreak that everyone was carrying around. And, it, you know, it was not every person that I met along my walk across Australia, but there was just so many more than I was expecting. I had always intended to arrive on the 6th of August because that's the day that the politicians came back from their holiday. I didn't know until I walked across Australia that politicians have to go on holiday at the same time. Otherwise, they can't run the parliament. Like, otherwise, they can't have everyone there. So all politicians go on holiday at the same time and they come back at the same time. And after the day after the winter recess was the 6th of August. So I was like, okay, that's when I'm going to get to Perth because that's... I want to send a message that it's go time, you know. But it was also the day that the WA parliament finished drafting the bill for voluntary assisted dying in 2019. Um, so, yeah, you know, got to Parliament House. At, you know, oh, sorry, before that we did uh, a nurse's walk. So because mum was a nurse, um, I, I wanted a nurse's send-off in the morning. It would just I just knew that it would have meant a lot to mum to start the day with her colleagues, essentially. Um, and my mum was, you know, she worked in Perth as a nurse for... 23 years and she worked in all kinds of institutions like you know aged care hospitals and everything so half of the bloody like population of nurses in Perth were my mum's colleagues and they knew her and it's true that um when I showed up at uh it was just nearby Fiona Stanley Hospital that was our starting point and we walked to Murdoch Station about a third of the people that showed up uh, out of the 30 nurses or so, they were ex-colleagues of my mum wow. so it was really cool um, so started the day with them and then Channel 9 came and did like a live TV interview with like me and all the nurses so that was good to kind of you know get people excited and then we walked um, from Murdoch station to Perth, take, took a bit of a shortcut but yeah, we walked down to, to uh, up to Kings Park together and then that's where I latched onto the rest of the supporters and um, we got there and I wasn't sure what to expect, I was hoping for 100 and when I got there with all these TV cameras and all these people holding roses it was just so beautiful. The politicians were waiting for us at Parliament House, so we we were at Kings Park, and then Gilly latched on, and then you know lots of us started walking, and it was just so peaceful. People just made that remark like there was just something in the air mm. um, about it that I because if you go back, I, the the Facebook Live video is now on my Facebook page. So you can go back and like you know watch the whole thing again. It's like twenty minutes. And it's almost silent. Like there's a bit of people talking and stuff when we're walking from Kings Park to Parliament House and people kind of like bobbing around with their roses and, you know, in the front with Andrew having like a little quiet conversation and just like having a bit of a laugh and we're walking and just so relaxed. And it was, you could hear all the birds singing and there wasn't any traffic because it's like the middle of the day. And it was just so peaceful. Um, and then, you know, we got to Parliament House and I was already pretty overwhelmed with how many people showed up at Kings Park. And then we got to Parliament House and there was like, this, you know, a huge crowd of politicians in their black suits, like sort of staggered all the way down the steps of Parliament House in rows. Um, and then you had the health minister there waiting and then the, the premier and Malcolm McCusker, who, you know, um, he was on the expert ministerial panel. And then um, oh, like 20, 20 um, cameras. And um, I just started crying because it was just everything I could have dreamed of for that day. It all came true. And even the weather. Oh, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. And there was, it was like 80% chance of thunderstorms for that day. But we had like perfect weather. So yeah, we got there and I was just crying. I was hugging the Premier and I'm crying. And then I did my speech and... Um, the Premier was just so amazing, like he just got up there with like no notes and just said something really beautiful about um, what this law was for, so it's the day they introduced the bill, what the law was for, um, and you know, welcomed me home and thanked everyone for coming, 
and then I said my bit and made everyone cry and that was good. <laughs> My journey with grief has been what's shaped me the most. Learning that grief is something that you live with for your whole life. You never get rid of it, well, for me personally anyway. And it's something that um, has really shaped me as a person and has been a source of strength and um, inspiration for, you know, that's led me to do all these other things. And I don't think grief is something we should run away from. It's something we should embrace because it can lead to so many, um, so many good things as well, as long as we, we can't run from the fact that we're human. In August 2019, the Voluntary Assisted Dying Bill 2019 was introduced into the West Australian Parliament. On 10th of December 2019, the bill was passed and will be enacted upon royal assent. Western Australia then became the second state in Australia to legislate voluntary assisted dying. Following royal assent, there will be an 18-month implementation period led by the Department of Health. Belinda and all those involved in advocating for this legislation have been truly rewarded for their efforts. We now live in a state where the choice and control of our life decisions can be made. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan, a short-term escape, five weeks on the Bibbulmun track.
His sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone. And 